If you're new, my name is Justin Jordan. I'm the lead minister here. And so glad you've chosen to worship with us this morning. I got one more thing I want to celebrate before we get into the word. Is that we had our largest non-holiday attended weekend last weekend as a church. Yeah, absolutely. We praise God for that this morning. And um, I'm just excited for Christmas Eve as we get closer to... Um, that day, if you guys don't know, if you're maybe new to church, Christmas Eve and Easter is um, a big deal for us as followers of Jesus. And this is an awesome opportunity, as Joe talked about, to be a people that are sent on mission to seek and save those who may not understand the goodness and graciousness of King Jesus. And so I just want to encourage you to start the process of praying, not only choosing what service to attend, but asking you to start praying and think about who you want to invite on Christmas Eve. Uh, we're having you uh, fill out that QR code and, and sign up for a service as you will, because our Easter services, we had one Easter service. I don't know if you guys remember, we had to ask you if you've been a part of real life, if this is your church home for if this is your home for five years or 10 years or however long, I can't remember what we said, would you stand up and give up your seat? And some of you gave up your seat. We had to call some of you back because we had people in the lobby that were trying to get a seat and we put seating out, um, extra seating in the overflow. And we may need to do that again. And so we're just trying to get better at serving people that are coming and laying our lives down for them so they can hear the gospel. And so uh, I'm excited for Christmas Eve, and I hope you are too. God's going to do a work in the hearts of many people. And so would you start praying and thinking about who you want to invite now? We started a series last week, God Help Us Unite, and we started this conversation about what are the things that we as followers of Christ are supposed to emulate when it comes to this idea of unity, and what is our attitude, what is our response, how do we interact with one another in relationship, and we talked about Ephesians chapter 4, and we talked about some of the foundational things in regards to context, I just want to review those things with you, God's loving kindness towards us is the foundation from which we live all of our lives, not only here at church, but in our workplaces, in our homes, Jesus calls our hearts to be rooted and established in the love of the Father that allows the fullness of God to be manifested through us. And that we are then called to guard the unity of the church out of that relationship with God, relationship with one another, that loving kindness that God displays to us, we're called to display that to one another. And then we're called to be a people that then guard the unity of the church. And so when we recognize that there's relational brokenness, we all take part in working through that relational brokenness. We work through whatever hurts that we have with one another. We actually are called to be a people that guard the unity of the church. This is not a message that's new from Paul. He's continuing on the words of Jesus. John chapter 17. He said, my prayer is not for them alone. Jesus' disciples. He says, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. And so he's praying for you. He's praying for us. He's praying for some very specific things for us. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them, and you in me, so they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them, even as you have loved me. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians. We didn't mention this passage last week. 
But this week, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another, one another in what you say, and there be no divisions among you, but that you may be perfectly united in mind and thought. And so this has kind of been the foundation of like, this is the call that Jesus has for his church. How do we do that? How do we do that? And what we found in Ephesians chapter 4 is that there's some qualities that gets cultivated in unity. And these are the three that we're kind of wrestling with. We talked about two last week, that God cultivates unity through you when you live with humility. Everybody say humility this morning. Humility. Gentleness, say gentleness. gentleness. And the one we're talking about today is patience. Say patience. patience. And today is a sermon where I am preaching to myself. I am not naturally a patient person. Anybody else in the house of the Lord not good at patience? You are my people. The rest of you who are good at patience, you've been, you've been a gift to us to show us what patience looks like. And just so you know, without a doubt, Thanksgiving dinner, like my patience got tested right out of the gate. Anybody else? My wife was gotten done with the Thanksgiving dinner and we got around the, the, the uh, island of our kitchen where we come around together. And before we, we actually pray, we go around and say, what are you thankful for this Thanksgiving? What are you appreciative of? And, and she said, hey, can you move this? I don't know what it was. It was something that was holding the turkey and it had all the turkey juice. Sorry, this is kind of gross on the pan and she said would you be willing to move it off the island and over by the stove and so I did that little did I know that it was full of turkey grease and I tilted it a little bit too much and it went all over the floor and all over my flip flops and I put it over and I went from zero to a hundred of no patience and everybody there was like oh Justin's upset <laughs> this is awkward and it went like this. It's going to be okay. And I said, no, it's not going to be okay. Because I had turkey grease all over my flip-flops that are now in the garage that still have turkey grease all over my flip-flop. So I have to clean that up this afternoon. But my patience was tested. Ugh, right? And so for me this morning, this idea of like patience, I'm, I'm preaching it myself on how do we actually continue to emulate what God wants us to emulate, to cultivate what God wants us to cultivate. I just want to read Ephesians 4 over you again. As a prisoner for the Lord, Paul says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient. Bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope when you were called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Patience. Be patient. What does this mean? This idea of patience. When you look at the Greek, it means to, to be patient, to have endurance, Constancy, steadfastness, perseverance, patience, forbearance, and this next word, long-suffering. 
I don't know about you, but when I hear the word patient, it's almost like, and maybe this is something the Lord is trying to show me, it's almost like it goes out one ear and out the next. But when I hear long-suffering, I get a different mental image in my brain. It kind of just hits you different, doesn't it? Long-suffering, like, oh, I need to be patient. Are you willing to suffer? Well, hold on here. <laughs> hold on here. Long-suffering, slowness in avenging wrongs. Long-suffering. The idea that pops into my brain is running a marathon. Have you guys ever done a race before? Have you ever ran long distance? The longest I've done, you, you try not to run, uh, I, the longest I've done is a 10K. I, I suffered, right? A 10K, which is, you know, six miles roughly, right? But to run for 26 miles and to suffer the entire time. I was talking to Ryan this morning and he's like, yeah, uh, I was talking about, you know, football and he's a Seahawks fan. He goes, I, I long suffer, man. I'm like, that's what I'm talking about, man. I'm talking about that today. He goes, I'm a Seahawks fan, man. I'm a long sufferer. So if you're a Seahawks fan, you understand this very, very clearly. If you're like me as a Cowboys fan, yes, I've been long-suffering since 1996. Um, but this idea of like suffering, long-suffering. And the reality is for some of you, for a lot of us, like we're willing to actually do that for ourselves. But I think what Paul's trying to get at is that you need to be patient. You need to show long-suffering, not for yourself completely, but for others. For others. And that adds a whole nother level. Whatever thing you think about physically that's difficult, spiritually, relationally, uh, that same application. So I'm willing to, I'm willing to long suffer and run a marathon. Would you be willing to do that for someone else? Goes to a whole nother level. Would you be willing to be patient? with others suffering for a long time for the benefit of others and the way that we're able to do that is when we recognize that it's God that does that for us he does it for you I love this quote by Martin Collins a person who is long suffering is not quick to retaliate or promptly punish someone who has insulted offended or harmed the opposite of anger, it is intimately associated with mercy. Long-suffering is an attribute of God and thus a fruit of His Holy Spirit. And so we're able to do that because God is actually long-suffering for us. Peter puts it this way in 2 Peter. He says, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is, what's it say? He is patient with you. Not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. I was talking to Joe about this earlier this week about 
how, uh, you guys, heaven's going to be amazing. And, and some of us sometimes have this mindset of heaven that it's like, we're going to be like flown around like spirits and clouds. And, and yes, there is a part of that in regards to when we're done here. But the final resting state of what God desires for us is a new heaven and a new like we're going to have physical bodies you guys without cancer like heaven's going to look more like what we're experiencing now than this idea of like all spiritual beings Jesus has always interacted with us in a physical state from the very beginning why, why is Jesus waiting for that new heaven and that new earth? Because I, I'll be honest with you, the older I get, the more I long for heaven. Amen? The more I long for no more pain, no more tears, all of that. No more death, no more disease, no more heartache. I long for that day. Paul says it this way when he writes to the church in Corinth, I believe, he says this. He says, it would be for your benefit that I'm here. But if it were up to me, I want to hang out with Jesus. <laughs> I'm ready to go. Why does Jesus wait so patiently for that, even though we long for that? We want that. Why does Jesus wait? Because he wants no one to perish. He wants all to come to repentance. He is long-suffering, patient. This is who God is. If this is who God is, he's calling on his people to do the same with other people, wanting all to come to know him. And so when it comes to how we interact with one another, we're called to be a people that are patient, long-suffering with one another. If you don't maybe connect with the long-suffering image. Let me give you this analogy. The word patience, long-suffering, it also means in the Old Testament, long of nose. Some of you are like, I relate to that physically. <laughs> Got a big nose. But that's not what it's talking about. It's not talking about your physical nose. It's talking about this. I want everybody, please, take a big, long breath through your mouth. And out your nose. Do it again. Do it again. Don't fall asleep. You feel better? I do. Some of my praying sometimes is just that. Now, I want you to compare to when you're angry, what goes on physically. Once you think about your breathing, what does your breathing do? Short, rapid, heart rate goes up. What God's saying is, I'm long of nose. I'm patient. And for those of you that are married, you, you, you've seen that look, haven't you? 
This is who God is with you. This is who God is with us. And this is what we're called to be with one another. Long of nose. If long suffering comes from the Lord, then the opposite would mean that it what? Impatience, which comes from who? The enemy. Not of the Lord. Not what God would desire for us. And the reality is the fruit of what we experience in our life and what I would argue in our culture, the culture is discipling you to live the opposite way. Have you, have you recognized what headlines do? What do headlines do? Stir something up in you so that you then what? Click on it. Why? Because that's how they make money. <laughs> and so we have to be willing to be a people that go, you know what? We need to listen. We need to discern what's going on in the world without a doubt. But we also have to be willing to look and say, what is growing in my life? Is it the fruit of the Spirit or is it something opposite to that? And patience is a part of the fruit of the Spirit. The world is discipling us to be a people that are opposite to these quality, qualities that actually cultivate unity in the church. And so what would it look like if we would be willing to actually evaluate, to discern, to look inward and ask this question? Am I actually someone who brings patience into my home? That I exhibit patience for my spouse? That I exhibit patience for my children? For my coworkers, for my boss who is not a good leader, for my coworkers, for my people that answer to me, for my neighbors who have the dog that will not stop barking. What is being cultivated in my mind and in my heart? I love Francis Chan puts it this way. He says, it's always safer to be on the critical side. Have you noticed that in our culture? It's always safer to be on the critical side. Speaking natively about teachers, and I put coaches up there in parentheses because I'm a coach and I get, I, I get that all the time. It's easier to think on the negative side, to speak negatively, parents or peers. The same is true in the church today. Try signing up for a Christian leader you think was mistreated. Worse yet, try showing encouragement to someone who misspoke or fell into sin. Our church culture makes it very difficult to make positive comments about any church leader. Negative comments draw louder praise and softer criticism. Why? Because the world celebrates that. We're more comfortable there. Fewer and fewer people dare speak up in favor of their brothers and sisters while attacking voices are growing in number and volume. And so for us as believers, we have to ask ourselves this question. If this is how the world operates... How does Jesus want his church to operate? And how can we as his people be countercultural to the world and say, no, we're going to guard unity. We're going to work through conflict, but we're going to do it with patience. Long suffering, long of nose. Paul goes on to describe it this way. Patience is bearing with one another in love. 
bearing with one another in love. What does that mean? It means to hold up, to hold oneself firm, to sustain, to bear, to endure. And I don't know about you, but when I see that, I start seeing running a marathon again. Which I think there's a reason why Paul says, I'm running my race. I'm trying to do that well. I'm trying to long suffer for Jesus because he is long suffering for me and long suffering for others. That's what Jesus has called me to be, called you to be, called us to be. Now, here's the thing. When it comes to this, another image that comes to mind is my baseball team. My kids that I coach at 13 years old, here's when I know that they understand that we're called to be a team, that we're called to be one, that we're called to be unified. One of the things that I love to do is I love to quote them scripture, even though they don't know I'm quoting them scripture. And so one of the things I hammer into them is I say, listen, guys, we are one. We're one. And we've got to have each other's backs. We've got to be unified. Sounds all similar, doesn't it? And then I tell them this. Another way to put it is we are one body. They go, yeah. And you know what that means? That means that when we have success, we all have success. And we all get to rejoice. When we honor one, we honor all. And then I tell them this. But if one part suffers, we, we all suffer. And they kind of look at me like, whoa, whoa, whoa. But when I have to discipline them, or someone fails... I know they start to understand what bearing with one another in love is. I know they begin to understand what patience is. I know what, that they understand what long-suffering is. When one kid has to start doing burpees, and guess what? Another teammate joins them in doing burpees. When one kid's got to do push-ups and another kid starts doing push-ups. Because it's one thing to go, oh man, you got it. You got it, bud. Here we go. You're good. You're good. Nice work. It's one thing to verbally encourage. It's a whole other thing to say, I'm going to get in this with you and long suffer. I'm going to bear with you in love. That's when I know my kids understand they are one, united. So what does that look like in the church? It means calling and pursuing relationship when you've been wronged. It means when that person's going through a hard time, instead of just letting them be isolated, you actually say, can we have coffee? Can I come and sit with you? 
and you thinking like, I can go and hang out with them for a half hour, but you realize I got to sit with them for probably like an hour. I got to listen a little bit longer. I need to work through whatever it is I'm going through with this other person, even though they may not be responding the way I want them to respond. I'm going to... I'm going to fight for long, for long suffering. I'm going to fight for patience. I'm going to fight for relationship. I'm getting impatient. I'm getting angry. I'm getting uncomfortable. I'm beginning to hurt. Yeah. All of us. When one part rejoices, we all rejoice. When one part suffers, we all suffer. Because we are one. So what does it look like for you? What does it look like for us to live out John 13? A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know you are my disciples if you love one another. Francis Chan, another quote, our divisions usually aren't caused by a difference in theology but a lack of relationship. And in the church, we divide easily because we love shallowly. Oof. I believe God's calling on us here at Real Life to fight for one another, love one another, long suffer for one another, and to help change the trajectory of not only our community, but I also believe our nation. That we'd be one in relationship. And we'd fight for one another, even when we don't want to fight for one another. We'd be willing to keep leaning in. What if we did that? What if we made a phone call? What if we had coffee? What if we kept pursuing each other? So as we wrap up this morning, as we get ready for communion, it's got a list of questions I want you to think about in regards to our take home. As we look at humility, gentleness, patience, who do you need to long suffer alongside in this season? There's got to be somebody that the Holy Spirit is giving you right now. Who do you need to long suffer alongside during this season? Because He's called you to be that person. Who do you need to minister to this week? Who do you need to love on and pray for that doesn't know Jesus? That maybe you've written off because they've written off Jesus. And Jesus is saying, no, don't write them off. Keep pursuing them like I've pursued you. As we get ready for communion, I want to invite you to just spend some time over these questions and if you didn't receive communion when you came in and you want to take communion and you want to receive the elements, uh, just raise your hand and these amazing servants would love to serve you the elements. And I just want to encourage you that if you're here this morning and you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, communion is this opportunity where you get to have a conversation with Jesus, where you get to share with him the surrendering that's going on in your heart the decision to make him Lord over your own life, that you are no longer going to be a self-willed person, but you are going to surrender to his lordship. 
and that you want to live out the kingdom realities here of him ruling and reigning over your heart, over your home, over every aspect of your life. And this is an opportunity where you get to say to him, I surrender to you because of your love for me. Maybe you say, I need to recommit. This is the time to recommit to him. So spend time this morning with Jesus as he is calling on you to minister and to love and to long suffer along someone in this season. Let's spend some time with Jesus this morning. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he broke bread with his disciples. He said, this piece of bread represents my body, which is broken for you. Eat in remembrance of me. Then he raised a cup of wine and he blessed it. He said, this is my blood, which is spilled for you. Drink in remembrance of me. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you are a God that created the world. You created us. Since the moment you spoke breath into us, you have been a God that has been pursuing us. And Lord, You are not slow to fulfill your promises, as Peter said, as we read. You always fulfill your promises. And so, God, help us to be a people that recognize with humility your patience over us, your long-suffering over us. God, and we will be a people where our mind and our hearts 
that we'd be a people that, that reflect that. God, would you help us be patient with ourselves as we interact with you, as we wrestle with your word? Would you help us receive the love that you've poured over us so that we have the ability to be transformed, to love others well? God, thank you for your grace and your mercy. May we continually come to your feet and surrender. That you don't ask us to come perfected. You don't ask us to come having it all figured out. You ask us just to come to you. And you are the one. You are the one that meets us.